Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Tyker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, OU's 2023 schedule is here. So we give you some of our initial thoughts. Then we catch up on some things we've missed with OU basketball and in the NFL. And we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostey, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. Beautiful Wednesday, February 1st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, we're trying to finalize all that stuff for the entire year. If you're interested, you can email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, how we doing, man? Fantastic. Cannot complain. We got a lot to get into today. Yeah, we've got some catching up to do. So we'll do the OU stuff, and then we're going to do what I'm just going to call catching up, right? Because <laughs> yes. we had a, a massive OU basketball win, and then the AFC and NFC championship games that we need to hit. So let's just get right to it. OU stuff. The schedule, it's finally here, man. We finally have OU's 2023 schedule. Okay, let's run through it really quick. September 2nd, Arkansas State and Norman. September 9th, SMU in Norman. September 16th at Tulsa, which let's be real, people, that's going to be an OU home game. (laughs) September 23rd at Cincinnati. September 30th, Iowa State comes to Norman. uh, First Saturday in October. October 7th, Texas in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. You've got an October 14th bye. Then October 21st, UCF. 
comes to Norman October 28th. The Sooners go to Kansas November 4th. That will be Bedlam in Stillwater November 11th. The West Virginia Mountaineers come to Norman November 18th. We'll talk more about this one. (laughs) The Sooners will travel to Provo to play BYU on November 18th. And then you finish up the regular season with a Black Friday, November 24th matchup with the TCU Horn Frogs in Norman. So to recap, home, Arkansas State, SMU, Iowa State, UCF, West Virginia, and TCU. On the road, Tulsa, kind of. Cincinnati, you've got Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Kansas, Oklahoma State in Bedlam, and Provo for BYU. What's your initial reaction when it came out? What'd you think? Well, it took me a minute to to gather my thoughts and look at it. And it's a it's a weird schedule. Um it's the perfect schedule for coming off of a six and seven season. It looks like a who's who of non-power five football, right? It looks like a an old whack conference uh, schedule or something like that. But all in all, I can't complain. I think that if you are an Oklahoma fan, we we haven't had a home game to like a home conference game to get thrilled about in a long time. As far as like like traditional big time matchup, right? There's always ends up being a good football game in conference, whether it's a Kansas state or, or Baylor coming to town, who's had a good year. Like you never know preseason who the big game is going to be. And I think that's still probably going to be the case, but um, as far as like on paper, it sucks. Like if you want great games, like big buildup and like traditional powers going at it. But if you want to stack some W's and have a chance of having a really good season, then it's perfect. So how do you weigh that? Like, do you want to see like the best of the best go at it? Or do you want to stack wins? If you want to stack wins, this schedule, at least right now, at least the way it, we we look at it right now, I don't think you could have could have asked for anything better. I think after what the fan base went through in 2022, a stacking win season, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, <laughs> I agree. it's I not agree. the worst thing in the world. And kind of what you were saying about the home games, Arkansas State, SMU, Iowa State, UCF, West Virginia, and TCU. Yeah, I, I guess that. You know, some people are going to enjoy the SMU game, right? With them being in Dallas, like there, there's going to be, there's going to be some crossover there. That's going to be fun for, uh, for some families that are OU fans, I'm sure. But UCF, you've got the Dylan Gabriel angle to it, but that's about it. And then I, I think the one, and we'll see how the season plays out, but with it being the last game of the season, TCU is that's got to be the marquee game right now. TCU has to have a good season. OU has to have a good season. And that is 
that's how that one will play out, but it, or that's how that one will be the big game. But there's a lot of football to be played between that. Like there's, we don't know how those seasons are going to play out for each team. Yeah. Long time between now and that football game. And I, there's, there's some questions whether or not TCU can, can back up the year that they just had with another one. Um, they've got some big shoes to fill. Perhaps they could do it. They've, they're a well-coached team. Got a new offensive coordinator coming in. Going to have a new quarterback. You know, and and you just look back from a year ago, like that season was close to not being anywhere near what it was. But credit them for for winning those a lot of those tight games. You know, if if a couple of those go differently, you know. But yeah, as you look at it right now, I mean, Black Friday game that has a chance to be the headliner. Um, you never know how it unfolds, though. It feels like every single year in the Big 12, there's there's a team. like Maybe it's going to be UCF. Turns out to be, like, the biggest home game. Maybe they're undefeated coming to town. You just – it's hard to hard to know. But, like, whenever you just first glance at the home schedule, Arkansas State, SMU, Iowa State, UCF, West Virginia, TCU, it looks like a bunch of teams that the – like the casual fan would say, are any of those teams power five football teams? <laughs> you know, you just don't have anyone that really jumps out at you. Now, we know SMU has done some good things with that program. We know Iowa State is an incredibly tough football team. UCF is coming off of a, of a really solid year. Um, we know what TCU is. So it's way more difficult than it looks is what I'm, you know, basically trying to say. Um, but I mean, it's hard to look at the schedule as a whole. And I know we just went six and seven. So you don't really want to jump at any predictions. But can you remember a schedule that OU's had that is, like, more winnable than this one? No, not really. <laughs> and it scares me a little bit. Now, we we said something. I, I thought the 2022 schedule was pretty favorable in, in year one for Venables. But when you look at this, I, I think this is fair to say. Like, you always look at the Texas game as a toss-up, right? Yep. But if you just remove that game, if if OU was coming off a you know, nine and four season or a 10 and three season, something like that. We'd be looking at this schedule going, I got a good chance of going undefeated. Yeah. Now we're not going to say anything like that after what we just saw from Oklahoma in 2022. But when you just look at it on paper, maybe the best way to put it is very, very manageable. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Yeah, uh, to uh, the teams that you avoided, Kansas State, Tech, and Baylor. I mean, you avoided three teams that you lost to a year ago, and three teams that I think are probably going to be pretty salty right there at the at the top of the conference that have a really, really legit chance to compete. Now, Baylor's they're, they're going to be working through some stuff, replacing some big time players on that defense, but. That's college football. Everyone's replacing stuff every year. Kansas State, if they get the Will Howard that we saw the second half of the season there, look out for Kansas State. But they're replacing some guys too. But like if the danger game on the road to K State, avoiding that, I mean, it looks to me like the Big Twelve is trying to set up a. Like maybe a Kansas State OU Big Twelve championship. Perhaps I so and this is something that I talk quite a bit about over on my serious show. Brett Yormark, right? I, I think when you when you're putting together this schedule, because it's likely this is the only year we get the 14 team Big 12, right? You wanna you wanna try to take care of the teams you think may have a legitimate chance of playing for a Big 12 championship and therefore making a college football playoff while it's still the four-team format, right? Mm -hmm. That is what's best for the conference. So when I looked at the schedule, let's let's think about what the, the preseason poll could look like. The top six, in my opinion, when the preseason poll comes out before the season, it's likely to be in some order, Texas, TCU, K-State, OU, Baylor, in Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech is going to kind of be this year's K-State where everyone's like, hey, watch out for Tech, right, with what Joey McGuire's kind of building there in Lubbock. So when you look at OU's schedule with that in mind, with that being the likely top six in the preseason poll, you don't play three of them, right, because you don't have Kansas State, Texas Tech, or Baylor. You're one of them, right, if you're looking at the top six and you're OU. You've got a neutral site game against Texas, who is likely to be the conference preseason favorite, and you get TCU at home. Uh, it can't, it cannot be more manageable than that. Nope. If you're Oklahoma, and it, it's funny because I do think, I, I think the conference, and, and I'm not sure if they just put it into a computer and it spits out the schedule or like how all that works, but. I got to imagine that Kansas State, your defending champ, you're like, you know what? 
Oklahoma is typically more talented than them. I know that Kansas State's given OU a lot of trouble here recently, but you know, let's let's not like let's not make K State have to play the Sooners, right? Who could who could really improve in year two under Venables? Let's not have Baylor play him. Let's not have Tech play him. Who could be kind of the dark horse? You know, let's let's try to keep a loss off those teams' schedules, basically. And in doing that, and maybe this is a little too conspiracy theory, in doing that, you actually hand Oklahoma a pretty easy schedule. So, yeah, I I hate to say it, but like, there's no excuses for this team not to win like nine games, right? Oh. I, I mean, love it, that I, you're it, saying nine. I, I was about to say, like, nine is when Throw you just look at there. it on paper. Find me, a, find me a game that you can point to and say that other than OU Texas, that you could foresee. Well, I mean, obviously coming off of the year last year, but like what we know of our program and how our program has operated, not on a one-year timeline, but let's start the last twenty. Yeah, yes. the last twenty years. This is an undefeated season. Like that's that's just what it looks like. Now you're right. We've got a ton of work to do before anyone even begins to to consider an undefeated season, which is good. Like that's it's a good thing that people aren't walking around saying we're going undefeated next year. I mean that's that's great. But I'll say we, this: I think a lot of the fan base is thinking it, but. No one wants to really say it. Yeah. But here we are going, you know what? On paper, with what OU has been over the last 20 years, th- I, this should there should be a chance that they win every single football game. But there's not a 10-win team from last year on the schedule. A lot of the teams on the schedule from last year had losing seasons. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just I it is it is what it is. Now like I said, I totally expect someone on this schedule, maybe more than one team on this schedule, to turn out to be way better than they look right now. Like I think BYU has a chance of that, right? They got a quarterback coming back. Uh, he's going to be a senior, no, I no, believe. No. BYU's quarterback left. Yeah, he's in the Senior Bowl right now. Jaron Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps. Um, which is another thing. Like it's. It's one. Of, it's something that I'm going to have to get used to and dig in. Like, I just I don't know a lot about. It, it's like a six game non conference season is what it's like, you know, and UCF, uh, BYU, Cincinnati. I don't know a whole lot of the about those teams. The other rosters, for the most part, other than transfer guys, you've seen them like come in as freshmen. And, work up to seniors, so you've got a lot of built-in knowledge there. Going to have to dig in a little bit on some of these teams to see what we're working with. Let me blow your mind real quick. Keaton Slovis is going to be BYU's quarterback. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I like that game even more. (laughs) So, that and that's, you you know, one of our things before the schedule was released was like, hey, we want the trip to Provo. Like, you and I – we figured, hey, if you're going to go on the road and play a couple of these new members, give us the beautiful views in Utah. We got it. 
just a little later than we wanted. November 18th. Not going to be as warm as I was hoping it would be. I was I was hoping for a mid to late September showdown between uh, the Sooners and the Cougars. Instead, we're getting November 18th, which I don't know. Can, can we ski like the Friday before the game? Is there going to be enough powder on the mountains? Like, is that is that a possibility? I'm, I'm trying to look at the, the bright side of that. But yeah, November in Provo, that that's not what I was looking for, man. It's not, but I am very, very excited for that trip. Yeah, they said, you want a game in the mountains? We're going to give you a game in the mountains, all right? Uh, you're going to get some elevation. You're going to get some snow-capped mountains in the distance. So, no, I think that's going to be great. And hopefully, BYU's had a good season up to that point. It's going to be senior night for them, and I imagine it's going to be a great atmosphere no matter what, but if if they've got a, a a good thing rolling, it's that could be could be a crazy atmosphere. Yeah, some other things that just kind of stand out: the Black Friday game against TCU is that that's that's clearly interesting, and I think a lot of people point to that two week stretch for Oklahoma, and they're like, "What a nice parting gift from the Big Twelve, dude!" It's so easy to travel now in college football. I I think. And I know TCU, I believe TCU's got a home game before uh, the week before while OU's going on the road to Provo. But, like, it's so easy to travel in college football now. You get on the plane. You get off the plane. You go to the hotel. You you sleep. You play the game. You get on the plane. You come home. It's not like some traveling is not just – it's not rigorous, people. I, and it, I, it was funny. I saw a lot of – a lot of strong reaction to that, like, oh, we got to play TCU at home on short rest after going to pro. It's like, that's football, man. That that happens all the time. The guys in the NFL do it all the time. They fly across the country, come back. They play again. Like, it's it's not that big of a deal. I, I do not want to hear that excuse leading up to that TCU game. Like, oh, they had to go all the way to Utah to play a football game. You get on a charter plane. You have more food, more. It's like it's it's one of the best things. It it is, it is the easiest travel experience ever for these guys. I don't want to hear it, man. I I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, well, I totally agree. I I saw a bunch of people saying that, and I just I'm like, TCU is the one that's not happy about that. It's not Oklahoma. I TCU is the team that's upset. Like if they're even upset, I don't think anyone's upset about it, but like TCU's going on a short week to play on the road. And they play Baylor the week before. Now they play him in Fort Worth, but TCU's lead up to that game is Texas Tech on the road on a Thursday night. Then they host Texas and Baylor, and then they have the Black Friday game in Norman. Yeah. It's not even close. Like TCU's going to Oklahoma, they don't want to go to Oklahoma to play that football game. So, uh, I mean, they'll say they're excited about the opportunity and, and all of that, but I mean, we got the good end of that deal. So I, it's total non-factor, could not have asked for a better schedule. Eight games in the state of Oklahoma, only one game in the state of Texas, neutral site game. Like that, 
uh, we've got two road games that are like air quote road games, Tulsa and Stillwater. Now, Tulsa will have a bunch of OU fans there. Stillwater. That will be a home game. Like, let's just be the, the crimson in the stands is going to vastly outweigh the blue and gold. Like it's just Tulsa is an OU town. Let's come on. And Stillwater, it won't be like that in the stands, but it's, it's the easiest travel game you could possibly have. You know, it's, it's easy up there. I mean, it's not much different than playing a home game as far as the travel's concerned. So schedule is fantastic. And I got to tell you, I think that I always talk about Joe C doesn't, doesn't like make his presence felt all the time, but when he does, he does. And this schedule, Oklahoma and Texas were actually the teams that had all the leverage. And I feel like, I feel like there was some, some uh, tough negotiating going on and we got a schedule that is big time in our favor. I, I will say this. If you look at OU schedule and you look at Texas's, I don't know if Brett Yormark just likes Joe Castiglione more than Chris Del Conte or what, but remember OU's avoiding defending champ K state, Texas tech, what Houston and Baylor. So that's two of the last, that's the two, the last two big 12 champs, right? Uh, a team that's, I think it's going to be kind of a buzzy pick before the season. Then Houston, Texas isn't playing UCF, Oklahoma state, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. It seems like, oh, you got the better end of that deal. If you're just talking about stacking wins, because yeah. Oklahoma state, that roster is in. Flux, maybe that's the best way to put it. West Virginia has, I mean, that whole situation with Neil Brown is just strange. And, and then you got to expect UCF and Cincinnati, like it's going to take some time for them to build the depth that they need on their roster to be really, really competitive. Now, could be wrong. Maybe one of these new teams comes in right away and competes, but it seems like Joe C got the better end of the deal, right? If you're just talking about winning football games. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at Texas's schedule. They play two games outside of the state of Texas at Alabama and at Iowa state. Everything else is in this. They have 10 games in the state of Texas. So that's one thing in their favor. Like they're hardly leaving the state, which is that's something to look at on theirs and say, it's a nice bonus for them. And the Alabama deal, that's, that's a non-conference. You can't do much about that. So, I mean, there's, we got the, we got the benefit as far as level of competition, but like eight games in the state of Oklahoma for us, 10 games in the state of Texas for Texas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah. I, I, I did see some stuff about the game at Cincinnati. Now, I played Cincinnati, what was that, 2010? It was my first year starting. And we played him in the in the Bengals stadium. I think that would be a travesty. That game's going to be at Nippert Stadium, right? I haven't heard. I, any, I haven't seen anything official on that, but I I want I want the University of Cincinnati experience. Yeah, when we go to that game, I want it to be in Nippert Stadium, and I know it doesn't hold a ton. That's fine. Like I want to, I want to feel that. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to experience it in an NFL stadium. I have no interest in that. No, it it totally robs the authenticity of the matchup whenever you go play it in a corporate setting, which, you know, I, I think is it's weird whenever you have these these big time non conference games between like who is it playing? Is it um like Florida State, I think, is hosting LSU and they're playing it in Orlando. And then I think they went and played LSU last year and played in New Orleans, right? Yeah, it's I. I am not a neutral site fan. Now I get it, right? I I get it, and I get the build up. Is it so they can like slap a name on it and sponsor it and make some money? I, you have to assume like it. Alabama plays a lot of those, right? You have to assume it's making financial sense for Alabama to do that. As opposed and, to hosting, it's, like, it's also like they there for a long time. They did not. I think the Texas matchup is like the first true road game non-conference like big matchup that they'd had in a while. That wasn't uh, air quotes neutral site. Yeah. So, I the the only other thought I have on that schedule is. What time's that Black Friday game going to be at against TCU? It's a big factor. Because Texas and Texas Tech are also playing that day. There's traditionally, right, who's it? There, there's usually a couple games on Black Friday. And I just, I, I wonder what the kickoff time is going to be for that game. Right? If it is, if OU and TCU are both having really good seasons, you would assume that thing's going to be prime time on Friday night, right? But who, who knows? I, yeah. I don't even know. I was thinking, what would be the ideal kickoff time for me and you? No, Sign me up for like, what, 2.30? Well, yeah, now that now that you mention it, 2.30 is perfect. You know, because I think the short week, I, if it ever was a factor, an 11 a.m. kick on a short week, you know, that makes it a little bit more difficult, but maybe that's what you want on TCU on a short week too, with travel and all of that stuff. But personally, yeah, two thirties, that's always the best. Yeah. At home. I, I wonder what people would prefer. Like a night game would be really fun, but I just two thirty. I feel like let you recover from Thanksgiving, you know, you get up, get moving mimosa or six in your system and then let's that's roll. Right. That's perfect. I agree. You you got anything else on the schedule? 
I think that's it. Okay. That's it. Now there, there's a couple more of you things I want to hit, but let's, let's work. Call your shot in here really quickly because we asked you guys what your initial thoughts on OU schedule were. Uh, this first one comes from Blake Dafford. And he said, I find it funny that both Oklahoma's and Texas's reaction to the schedule release is just retweets of the Big 12's announcement. No graphics released from either school. That was interesting. Now, and put the tinfoil hat on, Layman. What, what, why, why was there no creative, whether it's funny or cool, why was there no excitement from the social media stuff for OU and Texas? I just... I was a little confused that there was nothing. I don't have much of a, I don't, I don't have anything really. Now, all along as a bargaining chip, apparently like in the grant of rights, Oklahoma and Texas, technically, I don't think they have to play anyone that they didn't vote in. So the 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 tinfoil hat thing on the the far outside is like that OU and Texas were never really going to for lack of a better term ratify the schedule and they're going to the SEC but that's not happening right um I don't know what that was I there's there's something to it I mean, we it's put a graphic a out about everything. There's something to it, but I don't know what it might be. Yeah, I I want to know because in, in OU, they've got one of the best creative teams, right? When you talk about the social media stuff, they've got one of the best in college football. So for there to be nothing is – it's strange. And I I want to know what the reasoning is. Because I do think, I do think it's a missed opportunity, right? Because whether they realize it or not, it it kind of puts the thought out there for the fan base. So it's like, ah, this schedule is in. Eh, you know, we can't wait to get to the SEC. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, guys, we got a season to play, man. Like, we need the fan base needs to be excited about the 2023 season, especially when the schedule's as manageable as it is. I, I don't know. I thought it it felt like a missed opportunity to create some buzz amongst the fan base and to get people excited. Does that make sense, or am I just am no, I reaching a little bit? You're right, and they do that with everything. We've had about 50 graphics a day come out about the NFL about signing day, about recruiting, about whose birthday it is at the facility. I, that it, there's a graphic for everything. They have a graphic for when they're going to release their next graphic. So it's deliberate, but I don't know why. Like Because you're right, they, they try to build excitement around every single thing that happens there. They're, it's deliberate. What's your theory on why? Do you have one? I, no. Because I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, hey, the schedule is what it is. You're in this conference for this season. Like, you're locked in. 
the SEC schedule's already out. Like you're you're locked in. So why not do everything you can to get the fan base excited? I, I guess like the my only other theory would be that there was the long delay in in releasing the schedule. We all know that, right? It was supposed to happen a long time ago, so there was details they were ironing out. And OU in Texas had a couple of things that they just flat out did not want. And those negotiations ran on and on and on, and they didn't get them. And it's like somewhat a protest to say, like, we're not happy about the way this unfolded, but I don't know how that could be the case. I don't know how that could be the case when you look at OU and Texas' schedules. I know, but you know what? I was, but that's the only thing I could think of. It it has to be something like that. Like this is not a coincidence that OU and Texas both didn't put something out. I I just think it's I think it's a mistake. I think hey, it is what it is. The schedule is what it is. Let's get let's build some buzz, man. Let's get the fans excited. Let, let's sell some tickets, you know? Like I don't I don't understand just retweeting the conference's tweet. I don't get it. So if someone understands it better not let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Maybe maybe we're not thinking of something Ted. We we've never been accused of being the smartest guys in the world. So maybe we're we're just not thinking of something obvious. Well, um I'm sure it's, I'm sure, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I really have no idea, but it's definitely deliberate. Yeah. And I'm, no I'm, doubt I welcome that. all the conspiracies. Lay them down, folks. Let's see what you got. We want to hear them. All right. This other one comes from XRP Loser, who says, schedule sets up nicely for OU, take care of business, and there's a potential showdown with Baylor or K-State for the Big 12 title I, I i think i think you have to give tcu some respect right but you're getting them in the finale so who knows but yeah without playing k-state they're the defending champs now they're losing some really good players on both sides of the ball right deuce vaughn felix and udk uzama like they're losing some guys now but yeah it it does feel that way, and that would be that would be a fantastic last season in the Big 12 for Oklahoma to be able to get to Arlington, play a Big 12 title game, and for it to be one of those type of teams, right? Who there, there's been now? It, I think OUK State would be so fun as a Big 12 title game, but just like just like we talked about, it is it's more than manageable, man. It is more than manageable. If Oklahoma, if we make the Big 12 championship, it will be against Tech or West Virginia or one of the new schools. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, every single year of the new the new conference championship game, there's been a new team that's never made it every yep. single game. So <laughs> we've run out of teams, but we added some new ones. So maybe it's us and uh, 
I don't know Houston, but I don't. No, no I don't love know for the Jayhawks, huh? Hey, I, you know that that road game is interesting. You know that's a it's one you just kind of scan over because of what we're we're used to with Kansas. But it, you know if they if they continue what they're they're doing, and I expect that they will. Everyone's going to be taking them a little bit more serious. But they've got Daniels coming back at quarterback. They're going to be a dangerous team. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, a couple other OU things. Did you know it was National Signing Day today? Only because of graphic season, right? What and what OU's expecting to add one more? The kid from Bethany, right? That's it from Bethany. And I've seen some like um, Rocky Calvis's kid. Yeah, preferred walk-on guys signing on. Yeah, it seems like BV did a good job of convincing some guys to go the preferred walk-on route instead of get, taking scholarships other places, right? I mean, at least that's what it looks like. Well, it's a good time to get it. You know, whenever you look at the, the season last year and you sit down with those guys and you say, hey, if you could come in and get it done, buddy, we're looking for the best, right? And we're looking, there's plenty of opportunity to get on the field. Now, um, it's gonna. It's been something that they've talked about quite a bit. Is like vastly expanding the walk-on program, right? They want 115 players on roster, right? And they want to. They want to add local, hardworking, dedicated players that have a ton of potential upside that want to come in and fight. And the more guys you get in the locker room that are like that it changes the culture in there. And I think it's fantastic. And you've also seen all of the, you know, for the 24 class, there's been a ton of scholarship offers to Oklahoma kids already. Yeah. And it brings a smile to my face with how this staff is recruiting the in-state kids, right? It, it does. And yeah, Taylor Heim, the, the Bethany kid, he's interesting, man. What? Like six, four, 200 ish pounds athlete three sport athlete at bethany there's a bunch of kids that kind of fit into that that gap in this class right that what position are they are they going to play we don't necessarily know but they've got good length good size and they're athletic yeah we'll we'll see where he ends up but you can't have too many big athletic dudes and that's where you have to you have to trust the evaluation and you have to trust the staff to develop him, right? And so he's not the only guy in that 2023 class, but that kid blew up, man, because it's funny. Ty Darlington, who is now the tight ends coach at Incarnate Word, who is one of the best teams in the FCS, right? I think they finished like FCS number three this season. He hit me up like, hey, what do you know about Taylor Heim? And I was like, not a ton and legitimately a few days after that, OU offered him a scholarship. <laughs> and yeah. So that kid, uh, I mean, it, it happened very, it came together very quickly for him. He went from some, you know, some smaller group of five offers to, Hey, you got that OU offer in a few days, but yeah, I'm interested. I, I, I don't, you say the word project and it almost sounds negative. Right. But I think that kid's like the ultimate project. We don't know what his body's going to look like. We don't know what positions he's, he's going to play. We don't even know what side of the ball he's going to be on. I, 
he's one of the type of guys where I'm like, I can't wait to see what it looks like in, you know, three years from now. Yeah. Well, whenever you're six, four and you've got that big frame and you get into a big time strength and conditioning program where everyone it's like osmosis as everyone in the weight room comes in together, you just naturally get bigger together. And I, it's, it's great because we're going to have a guy that's six, four, six, five playing cheetah. We're going to have a guy that's six, four, essentially playing inside backer. We'll have guys that are six, four playing like edge, like the, you can play anywhere with that frame. That's what's great about getting guys with that length and, and those physical traits is because it can go any number of areas that you're just not sure. And it's just so happens that the head coach earmarks everyone as an inside backer whenever they first come in. Right. It's like you're everyone's an inside linebacker until proven. Otherwise yeah, we're going to have, that's... we're going to have 20 guys in the inside backer room. Yeah. That's uh that's typically how it works. <laughs> No, hey, I'll say though, me. like if you're a defensive guy and you can learn it from that angle first, and then because you have to, it's like it's almost like playing quarterback. You have to know everything. So if you can at least start there and get some base knowledge at that, and then branch out, I think it's beneficial. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's catch up on some stuff, but we got to get the birthday shoutouts in. Happy third birthday to Willow Campbell. Happy fifth birthday to Penny Lane. Happy 14th birthday to Caden Helm. Happy 21st birthday to Colson Cheek. Happy 25th birthday to Kaylee Crawford. Happy 26th birthday to Sonia Sands. I'm going... Sonia signs, Sonia signs, Sonia signs. Yeah, right. Sonia signs. Happy birthday. Happy 31st birthday to Rico Bosco. Happy 36th birthday to bad Brad Manning. Happy 44th birthday to Jason Porton. And congrats to Caden Phillips on signing to play football at Ottawa university. Nice. I think that's Ottawa, Kansas. Okay. Nice. You, and a a perfect segue has I, I, it's hard to have a perfect segue Ted to an ad read, but I'm pretty sure there's an Ottawa can there's a loves in Ottawa Kansas that I stopped out just side of a Kansas City. <laughs> nice but shout first. out to the, the folks that loves in Ottawa. The only place to stop when you're road tripping is a loves travel stops. Loves has over 600 locations in 42 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. 
Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And the new stuff, it's sweet, man. Yes. It's sweet. It's sweet. Go go buy some of the new merch, people. Don't forget to use promo code TED at checkout. Okay, I'm just calling this catching up, right? Because we haven't recorded a podcast since a few rather significant things happened in the sports world. Let's start here. OU basketball smacked the hell out of number two Alabama. I mean, begin from the from tip off to the final buzzer. That was, I mean, Ted, that was a beatdown. Uh, yeah, we when you shoot sixty nine percent from three, nice. It's going to be tough, right? Um, held Bama to just sixty nine points, and poured it in from everywhere. Sherfield, awesome. Jalen Hill, awesome. Um, I, just the the entire team played fantastic basketball, high energy, effort. You know, after the TCU game, it's like, oh boy, um, we better show up. And they did. The fans showed up. The environment was awesome. The student section was awesome. I loved everything about it. Now, I'm not complaining. But it wasn't even a game. Like, that's the only thing, right? It would have been cool to beat them in dramatic fashion. But even better, I like the fact that this team got a comfortable big-time win where everything clicked. They needed that as a momentum builder. Yeah, and even kind of early in that second half when it felt like Bama was starting to creep back in it, Sooner shut the door, man. They said, no, 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 not up in here. They never even got to single digits, right? They cut it to like 11 or something like that. And, and it was like, okay, here comes the run. How will they handle it? And they handled it beautifully. You know, Sherfield with the 30 piece. That was fun. But Jalen Hill, man, that was that was one hell of a performance, right? The 26 points are great, but I, I don't think people realize he, he has defended Brandon Miller. He defended Brandon Miller better than anyone else in the country has. Mm-hmm. Brandon Miller is going to be a lottery pick in all likelihood. So to watch him make it as difficult as he did on Miller, that was that was impressive. And the shooting, of course, very, very helpful when you're that hot. But I, I thought I thought a lot of the offensive confidence came from how well they were defending. I mean, the defense was fantastic. Alabama looked, they looked uncomfortable. I, I did not think they handled the pressure that OU put on them well. I didn't think they handled the, handled the physicality well at all. So you got to give Porter Moser and those players credit for essentially. I and this is somehow sometimes how I view basketball. I mean, one team kind of bullied the other, made them yeah. like it, and it was like it was fun to watch. I was watching it in a bar in Kansas City. Just and my wife is like, "Be quiet." I was making a scene, man. I was making a scene. I was with I was with the Bell family. We were all cheering. It was fun. It was fun. But my wife was like, you're being ridiculous. I was like, honey, this is the biggest basketball win for OU since I don't even know when. Let me live my life, woman. Yeah, it's awesome. It was huge. Um, and like I said, much needed. Get some momentum back. You know, that, that TCU game was, uh, was a beatdown. And 
I think it had the team feeling a certain way, but I love it. And hey, man, I'll tell you another thing. Tanner Groves and the energy that he's brought recently, like I thought he was fantastic in the home game against Baylor. I know they lost that game, but he had tons of energy. He had tons of energy again against Alabama. I love the way he's playing right now. I'm with you. And my my hope is that it's a turning point for OU season, right? That it's a big confidence boost. Now, Bedlam tonight with the free admission stuff, expecting it to be a big atmosphere. But if you don't win Bedlam tonight, then the Alabama game feels like it doesn't mean a whole lot. So you you got to really ride does, that way. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah. you, 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 we're still last four in. Right. You know, after beating the number two team in the country, which, you know, who cares about that? The point is, is you still have to win. I hate to say it because you've got some tough ones, but you still got to win the, win the rest of your home games in this conference. Yeah. And I, if you don't win the Kansas game at home, you've got to make it like make people notice with how good of a game it is. Yeah. So. We'll see if that Alabama win ends up being something we look back on at the end of the basketball season going, hey, that's when that's when things started turning. But that was fun to watch, man. It was, it was fun to watch. Okay, other things we need to catch up on. NFL. Mm. Kansas City Chiefs beat the Cincinnati Bengals to advance to the Super Bowl. I was there at Arrowhead. Said it was very cold. Shout out to my boy Ryan Johnson, who supplied me with a heated vest that I could borrow. My God, what an invention. It was incredible. I was damn near sweating. You click a button and it's button, button on the chest. Click the button, thing heats you up. Any fear at all? Well, probably not. You've you had some beverages in you, but any spontaneous combustion fears? None. I I had I had no concerns <laughs> with the let's say with my beverage intake. I never crossed my mind once. Do you feel like you're cheating? You know, there's there's eighty thousand no. people there, no. and you're you feel like it's totally within in the bounds. You're good. This is the way I see it. If I'm warm, I'm a better fan. Like I'm I'm in. I'm not worrying about the weather. I'm making noise. Like I. If you find a way to make yourself warm, you're not worried about being cold, which I think takes away from fans being engaged in the game. They're too worried about being cold. So just be warm and you don't have to worry about being cold and you can just get after it and scream and cheer and celebrate and all that. You know, I'm going to offer a little bit of pushback on that. I feel like when you're freezing your ass off, you have to stay engaged and energetic to try and build some warts. So, so you get some like false engagement because of the temperature, perhaps you, you you're basically saying you got to move around and yell a bunch to stay warm. Yes. You can't I, just there's, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm just saying, I felt, amazing. I felt pretty good about the way, the way that I went about things. I, I'm too old, man, to be cold now. If I How could be long warm, into the game before you had Amazon pulled up and uh, had one purchase for yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty sweet. <laughs> but, hey, Arrowhead was rocking, man. And it was a tough environment to play for the Bengals. And 
man, that was a dramatic game. I won't lie. When they converted that third and 16, what was it, from their own nine with about a minute to go, happened right in front of us. I was like, oh, no. Joe Burrow, he's going to go win the game. The Chiefs defense had played so well up to that point. And I was just like, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. He's going to do it again. But credit to the Chiefs defense. They give up that play, man, and end up getting the stop. Horrible punt from Cincinnati. Dude just hits a line drive right down the middle of the field. What was that? Typical is what it is for punters, special teams guys. I mean, uh, that of all the things that happened in that game, to me, that uh, the punters, he's thrilled of what Osai did a couple of plays later because it takes all the heat. Like, don't look here. Don't look at the god-awful punt, the laser beam right to the middle of the field that created that huge return. Like, that's what cost the Bengals the game. Out to what the 45, 50 yard line? Yeah. I mean, you just you can't hit a punt like that in that situation. Mm-mm. You just can't. Sets up that big return. And I know some people will say, well, did they miss block in the backs? Blocks in the back. No. The one that looked like a block in the back, there's a guy in front of him also blocking yeah. him. And so, he shielded. He put the hands up and just shielded with the body. They're not going to call that. They're not going to call it. And Man, you and I both really liked Joseph Osai when he was at Texas. And one of the main reasons we loved him, that dude played hard, flew to the football. But even in that situation, right, game on the line, Super Bowl trip on, you, you got to know where you're at on the field. You got to know when to pull up. I do not understand people saying, well, you can't, you, you shouldn't call that in that situation. What? Uh, this is This is when you know it's a penalty. Ted, Osai comes flying in. Eli Apple is standing right in front of Mahomes like this. And Osai comes and pushes him to the ground. And Eli Apple looks at him. And remember, this is Eli Apple, mind you. Looks at him like, hey, bro, what the hell are you doing? I mean, it was it's a penalty every single time. It doesn't matter. Any quarterback in the league, that's a penalty. It is. And it, it just is what it is. It sucks that. That that had such a large impact on the game, but it's a penalty you have to call if you're those officials, unfortunately. Yep. And it's listen, it's a tough spot to be in. You're selling out defensively to try and get over there and, and keep the first down from happening. You're it you're it's a trip to the Super Bowl, right? It's everything that you've got. And you know, it's it's just it's difficult. It's difficult to pull up, not because not mentally, but because of the speed at which you're closing in over there, it's hard as a guy's slowing down and you're coming in full speed. It didn't help that it turned into an absolute yard sale over there as he almost tears his ACL. Mahomes goes flying. They almost kill, I don't know if it's a trainer or an equipment guy that got rolled up there by the heated bench. I mean, it was, it looked horrible. It wasn't hardly, it wasn't much of a push, but it's going to get called every time. And if they don't make that call, like that's the, that would have been the egregious thing because that stadium would have tore that place apart if they don't call that 15 yard penalty right there. Yeah. I'm not sure what would have happened. I was sitting in the family section 
Shout out to my man, Bell, the Belldozer. Hooked us up with tickets. I don't know if there may have been a riot if they didn't call that 15-yard penalty. Well, at a minimum, there would have been about 30,000 20-ounce rockets making their way down to the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but it's unfortunate when a penalty like that has such a big impact in the game. But it's it's the right call, and then, hey, Butker? Right down the pipe. I was right down the middle. That's a clutch kick, but I'll say this, because that was the end of the field we were sitting on. Like He put it way up in the air, and the wind kind of held that thing up. That did not clear by much. Little gust from the gods there. Yeah, about- it was It was one of those. I was like, oh, he drilled it, and then it kind of stalled. It's like when you're playing golf in Oklahoma, you feel like you hit a beautiful drive, and it just whoosh, it's almost like the wind sucks it back. Mm-hmm. It was a little nerve-wracking. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Go. Go. But it was it was a fun game it's unfortunate that the conversation after the game is a lot about the officiating in its totality as opposed to patrick mahomes and and chris jones chris jones was, he was dominant insane. yeah but i feel like after that game there was an unbelievable amount of like this is rigged from people on social media and i i don't know man there were some there were some questionable calls undoubtedly the extra down thing i'll tell you this it was loud so if the guys blowing a whistle there were several plays where whistle gets blown guys no one was hearing it no one so i i don't know i don't i don't like to complain about the officiating as much as some people but i love to complain about officiating yes you do and, and i'm not complaining about it in that game I wanted the Bengals to win, all right? And it was not a block in the back on the return. It was not a hold on Orlando Brown. Oh, my God. That was a perfect block. It was like his best rep of the day. Yeah, and it was the proper call on the the 15-yard penalty. So, I hated hated that it ended that way for a sigh. I hated it. Uh, I loved how some of his dream, the teammates treated it. I hated how other teammates treated it, but I understand like it's an emotional moment. I, it, it, it feels like a ridiculously dumb play. So I get the reaction from some teammates and I, because it costs a lot. Of, like, if you just want to strip it down, not only does it cost guys an, another opportunity at Super Bowl, cost guys a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. So, for those which of you used that to d- say like you don't know that you win the game if he doesn't do that, right? It feels like you do, but it what the, it, it you don't necessarily win the game if he doesn't make that play, but that's kind of how it unfolds. So, and you know, and it also robbed us of what of a proper ending to the game, you know? Whether yeah. it's overtime or Mahomes has to pull off, you know, a, a special play to get another, what, 15 yard, 10, 10 or 15 yards down the field. So unfortunate. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not how you want a game to end, right? No. In a perfect world as a football fan, but it is what it is. And now you look at Mahomes' first five years in the NFL, you know, five years playing. Guy's pretty good at football, man. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know, I was worried that last year he kind of he kind of 
felt the pressure and buckled and didn't play well in the second half whenever Cincinnati started to put a run together. He answered playing on that ankle. He was mobile, made some tough plays, including that final run there. Had some dimes on the run or or outside of the pocket. Can't deny it. Yeah, I will I'll say this. You know, Blake Blake took me and my wife to kind of the after party after the game. They rented out a bar. And Mahomes, that dude gets it, supplied the entire bar with Whataburger. Whataburger everywhere, Ted. Everywhere. Like patty melts, chicken biscuits, chicken sandwiches, everywhere. I think he he must like own Whataburgers there. I think he brought Whataburger to Kansas City or something like that. But walk in, first thing I saw was like big box of Whataburger. I was like, tonight's going to be fun. This should be a good time. He's got your Hall of Fame vote. Key to yeah, Gates Hall. Damn right, right he does. <laughs> How about Creed Humphrey walking around with, you know, a uh, couple cases of beer? I, he reminds me, I, I feel like he drinks a beer like Andre the Giant drinks a beer. Like it's a, it's a one, it's a, it's a 12 ounce sip every single time. It's like, it's like water for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that he went and just grabbed beers from one of the bars in the stadium. Just like, hey, I mean, uh, it is kind of like you work there, you know? Yeah, he does work there technically. Yeah, like, just... hey, these are coming with me. What are they going to say? Uh, Mr. Humphrey? I mean, it's like, just like, hey, no, no, these are coming with me. Okay. See ya. Uh, tell them to payroll deduct it. That'd be hilarious if they actually did. They're like, <laughs> they he's got 24. In hey. But uh, and the Chiefs headed back to the Super Bowl. It should be, uh, should be fun. There's really not a ton to say about the Eagles. Destroying the 49ers, in, in my opinion, and I was sitting watching that game going, you know, the second Purdy goes out, what was that, like seven, around seven minutes to go in the first quarter. He went down, and I essentially was like, the game is over. And I know that, hey, Christian McCaffrey, I'll give that guy credit. He had some tremendous individual plays. It took the Eagles a little bit to separate but the Eagles weren't they, they weren't going to get beat with Josh Johnson playing quarterback. I mean, just it, that team's entirely too good. And once Josh Johnson, former teammate, by the way, uh, once he went out with the concussion and Purdy had to come back in and he couldn't even throw the ball, it just it kind of felt like injuries robbed us of what could have been a really, really good game. Yeah. And, you know, on game day and even, you know, next day from the pundits, Brock Purdy was taking some heat about, well, you know, he wasn't that hurt if he came back in the game. Turns out he tore his UCL. So, like, like <laughs> you're not throwing the football with the torn UCL out there. And just, you know, that's a, a – you hated to feel like we were robbed of a, of what was going to be a great game, right? Um the only thing really to come out of that that uh, I thought was at least uh, interesting was Trent Williams with the body slam of the year, right? <laughs> Golly, making another grown man look like a toddler. He's good at that. He may be number one in the league at that where you just go, oh, my God. Oh, my. But, yeah, it was. It cost him about 50K probably. 
That's fine. He's made a ton of money. It was worth it. It was worth it, dude. Like that clip was everywhere on social media. So it was one of those like, yeah, don't mess with that guy. Well, uh, I heard. uh, So I was in the car and I was listening to the radio broadcast. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy that was calling it. Uh, He's he's super well known. Anyways, it's the guy that he had like the great call of the like there was like a rabbit or or there's some Kevin Harlan. Yes. Yes, he he was calling it, and it was awesome, the call of Trent Williams slamming that guy. I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> it was cool. But I, I think the only other thing from that game, other than that Eagles offensive line, is that group's the real yep. deal now. Yep. I mean, I thought that they I thought that they handled that 49ers front seven pretty uh pretty dang well, but Jalen Hurts. As a passer, right? Because he, he did some really nice things running. But as a passer, he did not look very sharp. And now he he does. He's got two weeks to get a little healthier, maybe find a better rhythm, throwing the football. And I, I'm just really interested to see what he looks like in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs because he, throwing the football, he did not look close to 100% to me. Now, running, it's a different story. That guy, I mean, he can go, but I'm interested to see what he looks like on Super Bowl Sunday. And that obviously there's there's some time, but he need he needs to be at his best because other teams got Patrick Mahomes, man. I mean, that's just the truth. So we'll we'll see. Where's the, where's the Super Bowl this year? Glendale, Arizona. Yeah. Which you know. That helps that it'll be nice, you know. If you if you're banged up at all, especially like a, in a shoulder or something, and you're throwing the football, cold weather is not what you want. It just it makes everything a little bit more painful, harder to get warmed up and stay warm. So that should help some as well. Need to get him a heated vest. Heated vest, God, it's awesome, amazing. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA Athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. 
That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Easy one. Taylor Robinson, all-time NCAA three-point leader, over 500 career threes. Just amazing. Pours it in uh, nonstop, and she's not done yet. She's going to hit a ton more this season because they fire the three. Um, Really, really cool, which is awesome. In a very short span, Oklahoma, in a a calendar year, we've had uh, the all-time – women's home run champion and which I know we had it before, but still to break that. And now the all time NCAA three point leader. That's pretty cool. Women's athletics at OU has it going right now. Uh, it, it absolutely does. Could you imagine hitting like 500 threes like Taylor Robertson has? No, I think I've hit between 15 and 20 for my entire life. And that's counting practice. I, I mean, she can absolutely fill it up. I won't lie, didn't didn't love that she rocked the Steph Curry jersey at the at the Thunder game. Yeah, what's going on with that? I get it. I get it. He's the best shooter ever. And just so you know, we're going to talk about that game and my winners and losers because <laughs> I just do not understand something that happens when they come to town. But there, I, I'm just not. I'm not going to get too worked up about it because I get it. She's the best three-point shooter ever in women's college basketball. He's the best three-point shooter ever at any level of basketball. I get it. But uh, it's cool we've done it with the Thunder player. that and do that, but it's weird at the same time. I coming in he's like coming into our territory, but I guess he's earned that right. What are you going to say? Yeah. It's cool. I've just, you know, I'm going to say it's cool. But that woman can shoot the three now. There's no doubt about that. I mean, she can absolutely fill it up. And, you know, Jenny Baranchek, what, Texas game didn't go particularly well. But still, it seems like they're putting together a nice season, going to be a tournament team. be interesting to see if they can make a run. But. Anytime your team's setting records, it's a good thing, man. Yeah. And I I do think they will be able to make a run as good as they are offensively. Right? Whenever whenever you can score, you got the best three-point shooter of all time, I, you get into tournament type of play, that's going to help you a ton. Yeah. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I, you know, maybe this is – I may be on a a one-man island on this thing, but it's the Denver Broncos. I know they get Sean Payton, and Sean Payton has clearly been an excellent coach. He's got the credentials. Um, he's coming into the locker room, and you know what he's accomplished gives him a little bit more command. I You look at the Hackett situation, Never been a head coach before comes in, and as things start to fall apart, everyone can kind of question things pretty quickly. Sean Payton's going to be able to hold the locker room for a longer duration if things don't, if they get off to a rocky start, right? Um, it's less of a way to just be, have it easy to point the finger at one person. Um, but 
They're giving up another first-round pick, giving up another second-round pick. They've got to pay. I don't know what's the payout. Is it was there the buyout too? Anyways, there there's rumors that he's going to make like twenty million dollars. I, it's a ton of money, and they're giving up picks. I just I I feel like the Broncos are approaching this thing in the total wrong way by giving a ton of money and trading a ton of draft picks away for Russell Wilson. And now you're going to do the same thing for a coach. And let's be honest, okay? Again, Sean Payton has been great. But he had Drew Brees, okay? So there's a the jury's out on whether it was Sean Payton or was it Drew Brees. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think the Broncos are going about this thing the wrong way. They need to be stacking picks and developing their roster the organic way instead of paying a ridiculous amount of money and resources for two people. That's just my take. I am not, I'm not overly concerned about the new ownership group for the Broncos. Deep pockets. One of the richest people in the world. Right. Right. So they're going to pay Sean Payton, whatever, and be like, fine, we don't care. But uh, one of these things that I keep seeing is like, oh, well, they're willing to spend. Guys, that's great. This is not the NBA. Th- this isn't baseball. There's a salary cap. A true salary cap. There's no luxury tax and all that. Like, So even if they're willing to spend, you you can only do so much through free agency. You're willing to spend the same exact amount as everyone else. And unfortunately... Most of that's already been allocated to one guy who just had the worst season of his entire career. So if if you're the Broncos, uh, I'm assuming you're hoping that Sean Payton can do the exactly what he did with Drew Brees with that offense, right? With Russell Wilson, like that he can come in and fix Russell Wilson. But the the defense was solid, right? Rock solid. Yep. So... I can understand them going, okay, hey, Sean Payton, he, he's coming in and just got to fix this offense. The defense is good, like all that. We'll, we'll see what it looks like. But to me, I just don't understand it from Sean Payton's standpoint. Because, and, and I don't know if he had the pick of any job that he wanted, but Denver is not the one I would have picked. Because you know who's in that division. Why would you willingly, if you had your choice, why would you willingly go into the division that Patrick Mahomes is in? Now, Justin Herbert's a different conversation, right? I I just don't understand other than money. And and maybe that's it. Like, if you're... It's a good enough reason. Yeah, Yeah, I suppose I'll do whatever for $20 a year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, and I was, and I was only there for a short time, but I was with, you know, with the Saints when Sean Payton was the head coach. And the guy is a super competitive guy. The guy 
loves winning just like anyone else that's a player or a coach, you know, at the professional level. But it took a long time for him to develop what he did in New Orleans, and he was there for a very long time. But I just I don't understand picking Denver with some of the other quarterbacks that are in that league. Maybe you think, hey, I'm a better coach than those guys. Maybe you think he's a better coach than Andy Reid. Uh, maybe you think he's a better coach than Staley. I don't, I don't know. But it's an interesting choice, man. And it feels it feels like it was money driven, but I mean, who wouldn't be the first person to make a life choice over money? So I, it it was a strange choice to me. Though, like I, I look at Carolina and maybe maybe the Saints weren't having that right. Hey, no, 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 you're not coming back and coming back in our division. I can understand that from New Orleans' perspective, but well, here's the th- uh, you know part of it is who else was willing to give up what you have to give up in order to get him. It's not like signing any other coach. Denver had to give up a first-round pick, which they absolutely cannot afford to get, give up, and a second-round pick, which they absolutely can't afford to give up. They don't have any picks. They don't have anything. So uh, that's that's the interesting part about it. And like, if they're throwing $20 million at you, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it. Just, Russell Wilson is not Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a workaholic that the entire team adored, loved. Correct. Russell Wilson is a guy, a weirdo that it feels like the entire team hates. That's not a that's not what you want as your quarterback, right? I I don't know, and he's been guaranteed. An insane, what, $165 million he has guaranteed? That makes people mad when you play the way Russell Wilson did last year. That's how you end up with defensive tackles yelling in your starting quarterback's face. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's. I'm interested. To, I'll say this. I'm interested to see if it works. <laughs> it's fun. certainly intriguing, but... Sign me up for the uh, soap opera. From... From the amount of time I spent in a locker room with Drew Brees and just the things that I've heard about Russell Wilson over the years, very different, very different discourse around those two men. Yeah, And, and Drew, Drew had a bit of the, you know, like he, he, he had a little rah-rah to him, right? But it was, it was nowhere near like Russell Wilson and whatever the hell that was this season. So I I could see Sean Payton being like two weeks into OTAs in the quarterback meeting with Russell Wilson and just turning to me like, hey, man, please stop with all of this. Please just <laughs> cut it out. Stop, please. Like I can see him losing it, but it was – it's going to be fun. It, it, it's going to be a fun storyline. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, I, it'll be fun to to watch, and maybe Sean Payton can pull some magic. But, like, my biggest – I feel like Denver has totally mortgaged their entire future on this. And if it works, great. That's awesome. But if it doesn't, 
and it's not going to because of the division that they're in. Like they just the. I don't know. Weird. Good luck with the Chiefs. I I will say this: new ownership group there in Denver, Walton family, right? Let's not forget. There's a team out in L.A. What two years ago that won a Super Bowl with the F them picks mentality. Gronky's married to a Walton. That's true. That's so true. maybe just a family strategy, you know, Hey, we don't need to draft. <laughs> we'll just fill the holes through free agency. It's maybe. Yeah, that is a good I, point. I don't know. We'll they see. They had a really uh, good base to work from though. It's it, you look at the teams playing in the Super Bowl. Now you got to hit on quarterback clearly, right? That's, that's most important. They're built through the draft, man. You look at Kansas City. You look at all the starting twenty-two. And how many guys they like, drafted? Uh, Mahomes gets a ton of credit, and like Kelsey gets a ton of credit, and those guys should. But that O line and D line from Kansas City, legit. And the majority of them, they signed some guys in free agency. Don't get me wrong, but the majority of them were drafted by Beach and de- developed there in Kansas City. And the same thing for Philadelphia. You look at that O-line. Uh, you you look at the D-line. Now, you always have free agents that elevate your team, but you got to draft well, man. <laughs> I mean, you, yep. you have to. And in order to draft well, you got to have picks. <laughs> so, typically at the top of the draft. <laughs> I am. I'm skeptical about how successful Sean Payton is going to be there in Denver, but. Hey, we'll see. It's going to be fun to, fun to watch. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family owned and operated, and they got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a newer used car from them, then all you have to do is get all the manufactured recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they'll cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, I thought about going with Tyler Huntley because anytime you throw for two touchdowns and three interceptions and somehow make a Pro Bowl, that's a win, baby. That's a win. People want to make it some big indictment on the Pro Bowl. I'm just happy for Tyler Huntley. That's awesome. That's cool. Hey, you can say whatever you want about me, but I was a pro bowler, baby. That's good. And my hope is that there's an incentive in his contract that no one ever thought 
would get triggered, like him making a Pro Bowl, I hope it results in a nice payday for our man Tyler Huntley as well. That's usually yeah. how it works. And a kickback, you know, for for getting that Pro Bowl nod. That's awesome. Yeah, but my winner of the week, I'm going with the Houston Texans because I think D'Amico Ryans is a hell of a hire. 38 years old, dude was a stud at Bama. It was the first pick of the second round for the Texans. I mean, played in the league for a decade. And there, there's some conflicting reports, right, between when you look at what Ian Rappaport said and what Adam Schefter said when it comes to D'Amico Ryans being hired by Houston and then Sean Payton by Denver, like at the exact same time. Uh, I mean, Rappaport said that Denver wanted Ryans and he chose Houston instead. So that's, I mean, that's a win for the Houston Texans, which you don't say very often for them as an organization. And now it probably has a lot to do with D'Amico Ryans playing six years there for the Texans. I'm not sure he made the smart decision choosing this the fran- choosing this as the franchise he wants to lead, but I'm interested to see if he can turn the Texans into something. We'll, we'll see. And yes, a few years back, he did sue the Houston Texans, <laughs> which is which makes it very interesting as well. But I believe they ended up settling, right? Because he tore his Achilles in a game at NRG. And that was back then when they were, do you remember when they were doing that weird thing with the grass? Yeah. It was like, they were growing it outside in like different patches and then like piecing it together inside the stadium. It was, it was weird, but I believe he ended up settling with the turf company or something like that. Did you ever play there? Have you played there? I didn't, I did not play there. I never played a game on that field. I don't think we played, I played, the Big 12 championship in 2002 there. And it was pretty recent after it had been built. I'm not sure what year it was built, but it was, it was fairly, fairly recent. And the field is, it's, it was grass, but like when you're running on it, you can almost like hear it below you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like grass, but it's like going do, 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 do. It's, it was, it was weird. It was, it was not a normal grass field. And since it's on, like they bring it in and it's on, like it's, it's got like, I guess it's on like a smaller, you know, it just, it dries out really fast. So it turns rock hard. It's, it was, it was not good. Not they, a good service. They, they play on turf now, like yeah, artificial smart. turf. God, which think about how much money it cost them to do it the way they used to do it instead of just putting a million dollar turf field in and being done with it. And think about how many knees <laughs> it costs guys. Like, cause the way I remember people talking about it, cause they're obviously in the AFC South and I was with the Titans. They'd just be like, dude, it kind of feels like there's holes in the field. And my initial reaction hearing that was like, how, how does that happen in the National Football League? Like, how how could that be a thing? Well, but it was a thing in Philly forever, and finally, who was it that just walked off in the preseason game and said, "We're not playing"? Yeah, and that that got him to change it. Yeah, but hey, so will lawsuits. Yeah, they they figured out their differences apparently. D'Amico Ryan's and the Texans, and this is the thing about him: he will immediately have the respect of every guy in that locker room. It's a guy that's done it 
as a player. He's risen quickly as a coach. Uh, you never really know if a guy's going to succeed at a he- as a head coach, right? Uh, until he has to do it. But I would not bet against D'Amico Ryan's getting the Houston Texans to the highest level we've seen him at. Because, hey, he had that 49ers defense, and I know he inherited it from Sala, and I know he had a bunch of studs on that defense. But, I mean, that was arguably the most, that, that was arguably the best defense in the league, and he was leading it. We'll, we'll see, we'll see if the Texans end up drafting well, right? They've got the second pick of the draft, you would assume. They're going to try to get their quarterback of the future with that pick. They got to do some good things in free agency, but, yeah, D'Amico Ryans seemed like he was the hottest name in the coaching carousel. And somehow, some way, the Houston Texans, who have had no organizational success, somehow they end up landing him. So yep. that's a that's a win for the city of Houston and for that franchise, no doubt. I think it's big time. Now, please give him some support in free agency and the draft. And give him some time, right? Because that's the one bad thing that's happened at Houston is turnover, turnover, turnover recently at head coach. And it's tough to get anything built that way. Uh, you got to give the guy some time. Or else he's going to do what Levy Smith did and say, oh, I see the writing on the wall. You're going to fire me. How about I win this final game of the season by going for two and costing you the first round of the number one overall pick? Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's their third head coach in three years. Yeah. They need, that's they, that's they need not to how it's supposed time. to be. So I, I'm interested to see what he can do, but seems like he's, he's a bit of a rock star in, when it, when it comes to the coaching community. So if he can't do it, Oh boy, watch out Houston. Okay. For my loser of the week, Thought about going with Tom Brady, man. Did you see that video? Yeah. Retired. Like he said, for good. I'm done. But I find it so hard to believe. He said he wouldn't change a thing, right? I can't imagine that's true. <laughs> it was a rough year for Tom. He's the best quarterback of all time. I think a lot of people would say best football player with the incredible success he had. But he had the chance to just walk away after last season. Right. Uh, really, really solid effort from him in the playoffs. And everyone was like, Hey, if that's it, man, what a way for Brady to go out, even though they, they weren't able to win the game. But this season was a disaster for that man. Divorce football team. Wasn't very good. All that. Uh, wouldn't change a thing. Really? Not one thing. You just walk away after winning the super bowl or walk away after last year, when everyone was like, damn, Tom still got it. Like, I don't know, man. That video I, made me sad, though. I totally agree. The guy had a chance to maybe pull off the greatest thing ever whenever he won that Super Bowl in Tampa. Like To be able to walk off after that, having that quick run, going to win in a Super Bowl, then having maybe the greatest uh, Super Bowl parade moment uh avocado tequila like right off into the sunset as as the goat still is but that would have been amazing 
Yeah. Now I don't feel bad for Tom Brady. He's, He'll be fine. He's going to be just fine. Not worried about I, the guy. I feel bad for anyone that felt like they were going to, they were making the move up the up the ladder when it come to announcing NFL games because he's going to be sliding into that number one spot. I you I'm a little skeptical if he even does it. Do you think he's actually going to do it? Well, I don't know if any of the rumors are true about how much money he lost in that FTX deal. I think he may be doing it. Fair. All right. Well, I hey, know. I I think he'll be good. I hope he's just like brutally honest. And I will say, Greg Olson, he's great. I don't I don't think anyone's stock, you know, in the broadcasting world, I don't think anyone's stock has risen more than Greg Olson's this year. Yeah. Romo melded in. You can't blame him. It's the same thing in broadcasting as it is in free agency. When you sign someone to a gigantic guaranteed contract, they just, for whatever reason, settle in. You know, get a little comfortable. Get comfortable. Just a little comfortable. A little comfortable, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> for my loser of the week, though, I don't know if it's Thunder fans or the Oklahoma City Thunder. I. We got to figure out this Warriors thing, okay? I went to Thunder Warriors on Monday night. Now, Thunder fell down big early in that one. Warriors were shooting the hell out of the basketball, but Thunder battled all the way back, almost pulled it off. Steph Curry's amazing. He's he's unbelievable to watch in person. A casual 38 for Steph in the win. But something about when the Golden State Warriors come to town continues to baffle and confuse me, Ted. When the Golden State Warriors are playing in Oklahoma City, all of these Warriors fans show up. And I don't know who these people are. Who who are the people living in Oklahoma that are Golden State Warriors fans? I, I don't understand. It's like, they're decently loud, too. And I get that they have... I get they've been good for a decade. I understand that. And the league isn't you know it feels like it's more about player rather than team now more than ever especially for kids like for young fans but i'm seeing all these grown-ass adults cheered for the words i how does this happen who are these people i don't i don't understand easy explanation okay help me out you there's this natural phenomenon that takes place and whenever you have something new that seemingly everyone loves like the thunder coming to Oklahoma city and having that quick run up. It forces a, a group of contrarians to go in the polar opposite direction. So as you have like a big run up, there's a group that is searching for like, where can I fly my flag that shows to everyone that I am as anti this as I could possibly be and it's golden state. So that's how, that's how those fans get created. I don't like it. That's, that's my, that's my theory on it. I I don't like it. And I'll say this. I had this conversation with my wife, it, Steph Curry. He's gotta be, if you could just, if you could just like organize NBA Jersey sales by like age, he's gotta be the most popular player among kids. I mean, you just, I'm sure LeBron's in that conversation and Luca, but he's got to be the most popular 
when it comes to, let's say, 12 and under, right? Just an unbelievable amount of kids wearing Steph Curry jerseys at this game. But I'm just never, I'm never going to let my kids do that. It, does that make me a bad parent? Like I, I told my wife, my sons are never, and I mean never, wearing an opposing player's jersey to a Thunder game. Ever. I, I ain't doing it. And if that makes me a bad dad and if they want to cry, I, listen, I don't give a shit. <laughs> These kids are going to learn loyalty. Like, no, you live in Oklahoma City. This is your team. You don't have another choice. It's going to be Oklahoma football and Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. And if you don't like it, I don't care. Deal with it. All of this, oh, well, I'll let him wear a Steph jersey for this game. No, no, no. Hell no. That ain't happening. When you're 18, you can move to another market if you want, right? Yeah. And then you could be in that market. But when, when, you're, in when this you're living market, in this city <laughs> under under this roof, you're a Thunder fan. And you have no choice. Like I just and, well, you're and not I gonna get, have to worry about the curry thing, and I'll tell you why. Steph Curry is he's the most relatable NBA basketball player of all time. And the reason is like for, forever, like you're not gonna be you have no chance of being Shaq. Shaq's seven two, three hundred and fifty pounds of athlete the world has never seen. You're not going to be LeBron, 6'8", 270 pounds. You're not going to be those. But you could be Steph. He's 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 not going to, like, he doesn't tip the scales at some outlier size. He's small, and he's gotten to where he is by skill development. Everyone can relate to that. Everyone can say, if I, if I really put, my best out there, I could possibly achieve something like that. That's why he's so relatable. Your son's going to be like six, seven though. So like, you don't have to worry about the Steph Curry. Thing. I, I'm, I'm already like, I'm son, watch Josh Giddy. You're <laughs> probably you go. going to be big and, you know, decently athletic, but we're not talking like world-class athlete here. Enough so study Giddy. to get you by study Giddy. Watch the guy with the curly hair is Steph. Now, one thing I'll say about watching Steph in person that dude is way faster and way quicker than he gets credit for. Mm -hmm. I mean, he his change of direction, how sudden he moves, especially with the basketball in his hand. Like, I don't think because it's all about the shooting, right? But he gets he gets way more open than he should, right? Because you got to imagine everybody's thinking, "Hey, run him off the line, run him off the line, don't let him shoot threes. And he still gets all of these open looks. It has a lot to do with the ball movement and everything, like the artistry of the Warriors offensive system, but that guy does not get enough credit for his quickness and athleticism. He's exhausting like, to defend oh my because gosh. you have to defend him the entire court or he'll hit a three on you from your side of the floor. And he runs, he's relentless without the ball moving and, and running through screens. And you're right. He's, I, I just realized he's great. I'm I over here complaining about, I'm over here complaining about, Kids wearing Steph Curry, Curry jerseys, and I'm over here just, oh, he's awesome. He's incredible. <laughs> I get how it sounds, people. I'm just telling you. You parent your kids the way you want. 
I'm fine. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your children. I'm just telling you, it ain't happening in the Eichert household. <laughs> Dad, I want a Luca jersey. <laughs> Tough shit, kid. You're getting your Shea jersey. Sorry. Deal with it. You're getting not your Shea jersey. House. Your Giddy jersey. Deal with it. Just got people like <laughs> people that I know are Thunder fans. Got their kids wearing Warriors jerseys, man. Like, uh, not, not right now they're wearing Warriors jerseys. In a couple of years, they're going to be chewing mouthpieces and having it hanging out of their mouth, looking like a idiot. You you hate that. You hate the hate mouthpiece it. thing. Hate now, it. It, before I tell this story, I I want to acknowledge I am fully aware that this is not a very relatable story. But it was a it was a cool dad moment, so I'm going to share it. So we took my son to the game. He was sitting on my lap, right? My wife was out of town, so it was like, "Hey, do I get the babysitter or do I bring him? Do I bring him to the game?" I was like, "You know what? I'm bringing him to the game. If he's going to be one of the best shooters of all time, he's got to see the best shooter of all time. Like, you got to learn from the best to be the best, Ted. So, Thunder making that comeback, SGA." hits a three right in front of us, like literally right in front of us. And I stand up and I've got my son in my arm and I'm celebrating and yelling. And he turns right around, looks my son dead in the eyes and winks at him. And my son got the biggest smile on his face. It was, it was one of the coolest dad moments I've had so far. And I just, I, I want to thank Shay Gilgis Alexander because he didn't have to do that. And it was, it was just one of those things where like, man, I know you're not going to remember this, but I'm going to be able to tell you the story someday. It was just, I don't know, man. It was really cool. I know it's not relatable, right? I get that, but it was still, it was, it was a very cool dad moment for me. That, that is, that's really cool. That's awesome. You'll be able to see it on somewhat on television forever and go back and, and see that's, that's really cool. I just wonder through the eyes of of a a very small child, if NBA players look like aliens because of how huge they are, and if you're right there, like you know what I'm saying, it's got to be like, oh my he just, god, he just sits there, and people are like, I can't believe how well behaved he just like sits there, and it's almost like he's studying. It's strange just to watch. Locked in on the game. He's just That's locked, awesome. in. and he holds his hands like this. He almost like twiddles his thumbs. Like it's it's really weird. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, observe, son. Soak it all in, and then we'll go home and we'll get some shots up. That's great. Yeah, but I, I will say, pretty excited. You know, SGA is going to be an all star. Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams will be in the Rising Stars game. So there's there's some things to be excited about as a Thunder fan coming. So make sure you buy those jerseys. Not and don't forget jerseys soon, of the opponent. At some point next year, be adding Mike Holmgren's son to the mix. Chet. Seven footer. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. All right. On that note, episode 288 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6. Oh, by the way, Monday, long, I think we're at long interview with Max Olson from The Athletic. We're going to cover a lot of college football stuff. Big 12 schedule. He's one of the he's one of the guys that really covers the transfer portal closely, covers the Big 12 very closely. So it's going to be going to be a fun interview with our man Max Olson. 
Reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. We should probably say something about this. Hold on. And I assume a lot of people turn this off by now, but it's okay. <laughs> For those of you that are still here, we had teased a, a rather significant guess, guest. That ended up not happening. Should we be concerned in any way, shape, or form, Ted? No, no okay. concern. No concern. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll continue. <laughs> well, that doesn't make me feel good. We'll continue to try our best to get that scheduled and, and make that happen for you guys. Okay. Have an awesome rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend until next time. We appreciate all for listening Do what you always do. Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time